Good to see you guys if we haven't met yet. My name is Dan and my wife Hannah and I get the honor of leading this church. Uh, I'm going to be honest up front, I'm still recovering from a burst eardrum and can't hear in this ear and it's just the weirdest thing being stuck in your head. So if I'm talking like too loud or too quiet, can someone just tell me? Because sometimes I don't know what's going on right now. I'm trying to get my thoughts clear, but <laughs> shake it off. Uh, good to be here. We are preaching on a series on On Mission, and it's coming out of an overflow. This whole year, our, our yearly theme is Walking in Him, which was our theme in 2021, Together, which was our theme last year, For Others, which is our theme this year. So Walking in Him, Together, For Others. And what we've been trying to create over the last few years is a very natural understanding that as a disciple of Christ, if you are here and you would call Jesus Lord and Savior, then automatically you are a disciple. It is used, I think it's 169 times in the New Testament as a noun. Um, It is who you are the moment you give your life to Jesus. So please don't think you have to do all these things before you become a disciple. You are a disciple now. And something that's a very natural part of being a disciple in Christ is being together, being in a body, working out your salvation right here in a local church gathering. And it has to be for others. There's an overflow there. Started reading a book this week on uh, by Robert Mulholland on invitation to a journey, and he talks about that spiritual formation is the process of being formed into Christ for others. And it's a great definition that we get that as we grow as disciples of Jesus, as we are growing. Hopefully, you're growing with me. Hopefully, we are endeavoring to grow in Christ, our understanding of who He is and who we are in Him. As we grow in that, we're becoming more and more like Him, but it's not for ourselves. There's no selfish ambition there. It's for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. And so I really want to keep explaining it that way because on mission, I don't want this to be an evangelism short course. I don't want this to be a couple of how-tos and then people feel really like nervous, like they have to go and perfectly explain the gospel to some randoms in the street. Like that's not what this is. What it's seeing is that you were saved by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a free gift from God that no man may boast. And you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. All these beautiful things of the gospel, right? Four good works that he prepared beforehand that you and I should walk in them. See, these good works and being on mission and helping other people and pouring our life out for others is a natural overflow of understanding our salvation by grace through faith. And I want you to catch that because something that we're going to do again and again if we're not mindful of it is slip into religion. Okay, well, I I haven't been reading my Bible lately. I haven't been praying lately. Maybe if I invite someone, then God will be happy with me. And we slip into a merit-based relationship with Jesus where he's happy with you if you do. And I hate that. I hate that. That's not what the gospel is about. That's not what the New Testament is about. God loves you because God is love. God loves you because of who he is. And he pours his love out on you again and again and again. And everything we do, as Carl was saying so perfectly there, even giving, serving on a roster, inviting, whatever it is we do, making disciples, it's this natural overflow of having a healthy relationship with a loving Father in heaven. Amen? So please, I beg you, in case I accidentally word something wrong in the next 30 minutes, please don't leave today feeling like you have to invite someone to church. You have to do these things. 
Please just continue to foster a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, one-on-one. Spend time with him in worship. Spend time with him in his word. And I'm convinced there'll be such a joy and conviction in you that you'll want to bring other people into the love of God as well. So if you've got your Bible, head on over to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at the wedding feast right now. It's a great story. And Jesus also told them other parables in the context of this I think it's halfway through Matthew 21 he's in the temple and there's uh, temple leaders there and elders and Pharisees questioning him so he starts to give a few parables explaining the kingdom of God so this is the third one I believe he gets to he said the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son when the banquet was ready he sent his servants to notify those who were invited But they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers, insulted them and killed them. It's believed at this point he's speaking about the Jews in the Old Testament. And every time the message of God came about redemption being kill your idols, come back to relationship with God, there was ignorance, they ignored, and then they killed some of the prophets or exiled them, things like that. So the king was furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to the servants, the wedding feast is ready. And the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honour. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. It was only through Jesus that the Gentiles were included into the gospel. You and I can call God our Father now, even though, well, myself anyway, not Jewish-born person, all through faith in Jesus Christ. This was a radical shift in the gospel or God's message for the last 1,500 years before Jesus. It was only the Israelites And now here we are, the king, God in heaven, saying, go and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Beautiful, but it doesn't finish there. When the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. The king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Strange ending, but we'll work our way there. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. You are our Father in heaven. Holy, hallowed is thy name. May your kingdom come today and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray today you give us our daily bread, revelation from your word, but also meet our physical needs, please, Lord. We thank you so much for that, your daily bread coming today. We thank you, Lord. Help us to forgive other people as you have forgiven us. Lord, we let go of that offense. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We understand you have already defeated him, yet there is still this spiritual battle going on. So protect us in that way, Lord. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory, God. This is all about you and for you and from you. 
In your name we pray. Amen. It's a powerful story in my opinion, and I really like this picture about this wedding feast in heaven. It's a picture of what is to come, and this is going to happen. We have in Revelation 19, I believe, Ella, we have it there. We read this other passage in Revelation 19. It starts like this. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. We'll leave that there if we can for a second. This scripture actually gives me the closest understanding. In the verse, something I really struggled with was when the, 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 the wedding, the people who were invited originally to, to the wedding, especially in the Luke account of this story, it says someone said, I've just bought a business. I've got to go and tend to it. Others said, I've just got married. I've got to go and tend to my wife. In the Matthew version, it says they just made light of it and they had excuses and went back to work. And if I'm honest, when I'm reading this, I actually said, that's not evil. That was my first reaction. Like, these people infuriate the king and, and get, uh, don't make it to the wedding feast, and, and their actions aren't bad. And I was struggling with that when I was reading it. I was like, these aren't bad people. And this gave me the most clarity anyway, whether I'm, I'm landing on the right place or not. I currently had to look at that. Look at, he has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. This passage is about a wedding feast. This passage is about the church, the bride of Christ. If you're taking notes, you can write down Ephesians 5. It's in 21 to 27. It's all about husbands honoring wives and wives and husbands. We're going to preach on marriage in August. But something that's powerful there is husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church with which he laid down his life for her, that he might present her to himself holy and without blemish, the church is the bride of Christ, right? That's what this story is about, that the church coming home to Jesus. And I'm looking at this story going, man, they're just, they're working and they're going to marriages and they're, they're tending to their bride. That's not a bad thing. But the thing that I think I've landed on is what we're exposed to. The first people who were invited are trying to remain married to the things of the world while also being married to Jesus Christ. The great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with immorality. All the Old Testament, we see God as a jealous God. What he's saying very clearly all through the Old Testament and new is, hey, you can't, I can't be shared. I don't want to share you. I'm not okay with you worshiping idols and worshiping the things of this world and worshiping me. The first command, you should have no other God before me. And it's this God who comes in and it's not that other things are evil, but God will not share you. He's saying, I want all of you. Come to the wedding feast. You're mine. And in that moment, we see something that is, uh, is quite crucial about the gospel. When we come to Jesus, it's not an add-on. Jesus Christ is not another aspect of your world. He's your world. Salvation is like, you're it. Christ is all, Colossians 3. And we come to this wedding feast, it's an understanding that, cool, I'm abandoning this world, the pleasures, the lusts, even the non-evil things, just the everyday things. I am now completely Jesus's. 
And now, here what is what I'm trying to articulate. Anyway, Lord, give me strength. Is it's not about, okay, cool, I've got to divorce my spouse, leave my kids, quit my business or walk away from it because I can only do Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's not Jesus Sunday and my world the rest of the week. It's how do I look at my world through the lens of being one in Christ? See the shift. So now it's about how do, how do I be the best employee of Sictory Corumban through my relationship with Jesus Christ? How do I honour Hannah through my love for Jesus Christ? How do I disciple my kids through my relationship with Jesus? See, I'm not going, Jesus, I love you on Sunday. And then, okay, now I need quality time with Hannah. Now I need to kick a ball with Abel. Now I need to take Dawn for a swim. See what I mean? It's not compartmentalising my life. I'm God's. I'm in Christ. It's me and him. That's it. And through him, I now view the world. I view my calling, I view my workplace, I view school, I view my finances, I view my future plans, I view my marriage, everything through being in Christ. And this is the game changer for me. This is, this is why it's not like, okay, now I worship, now I evangelize, now I give, now I serve, now I watch a movie on Netflix. I'm not compartmentalizing my life. I do everything through this relationship with Christ. And so suddenly now, being evangelistic or on mission as we're calling it right now, it's not once again what you have to do. It's this question, how do you view your neighbour who lives next door to you, very literal, your literal neighbour, through your love for Jesus? What would Jesus do there? I'm not going to bring back the wristbands, don't worry. But (laughs) how do I love them? How, How do they need to be loved right now? Through my love for Jesus. It's just practical things. I don't want to go into it, but it's cook, making a meal. It's being there. Our neighbour, you know, living next door to us, they bought and they were building this big deck and, and a fence around it and all this stuff. And just whenever I could go over and lend a hand, I was there for like a couple of months. And one day my dad gave up a whole Saturday and came and laying besser blocks in this scorching hot day. <laughs> Got sunstroke. But it's this, how do I love people through my love for Jesus? How do I view them through Christ. And that's what I think this, this Revelation one, uh, 19, sorry, the judgment is coming on people who are trying to stay married to the pleasures of this world while still on the side enjoying Jesus and enjoying his pleasures as well. That's not the gospel. I, I say this with all the love in my heart. God's not okay with that. We have died to the pleasures of this world. Jesus says in Luke 9, you want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? Lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, I've said this before, I'll say it again. He says this beautiful statement, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Galatians 5, 24, everyone who is in Christ has nailed their selfish desires to the cross with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. How do we view everything through the lens of Jesus? I'm yours. Dead to myself, unmarried, divorced from the prostitute, the pleasures of this world, the lusts of the flesh that died. I'm one. I'm in Christ. I'm yours. I'm in the marriage supper. That, that. 
is how we need to view everything we do in life. Amen? Then if we can get the rest of, of Revelation 19, please, Ella. Then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean, waves, the crash of loud thunder. Like this is a loud noise. There's joy going on right now. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, church. Let us rejoice. Let us give honour to Him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb all through the Bible. The wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride has prepared herself. There's a band name there, Mikey. Anyway, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Now I fell down at his feet to worship him. This is John to the angel. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you. I really like this. And your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence, I love this. I had to include it at the end. The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. How profound is that? The end of worship today, we're going to open it up. If any sozo leaders have any prophetic words or scriptures they want to pray over our church, we'll have a time at the end. But hello, uh, I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers who testify about their faith in Jesus. The wedding feast. One day, just so you know, this is not as good as it gets. I mean, this is good, but it gets so much better. Paul's like, no eyes see, no ears heard what's coming. It's like, now we look through a mirror dimly. Like, guys, it gets so good. And it's a place of joy. Like, it's called a wedding feast, right? Don't you love that? It's not called the classroom. It's not called the short course. Like, like heaven, how do we describe heaven? It, it's a party. You've got to have joy in that relationship with Jesus of yours. The essence of salvation is joy. Jesus in Luke 15, telling all the parables, he's like, and the shepherd finds the sheep and, and the shepherd comes home rejoicing. And then he calls his neighbours. He's like, come rejoice with me. He's like, there's more joy in heaven over one person who repents than 99 who don't need it. Like the essence of salvation is joy. This party is all about joy. The wedding feast, it's like, let us rejoice and be glad. Amen. Please have a joy in your walk with Jesus. <laughs> If, if there's no joy right now, we all go through that. If there's no joy right now, my guess is that you might have slipped into just kind of the rhythms of the methods, what we do in religiosity, as opposed to a healthy, flourishing walk with Jesus Christ. That's how we can count all joy, even in various trials, right? Even in the darkest, toughest day, there's still joy on offer. Why? Because there's joy in Jesus. He's a good... God, may everything we do in its essence be joy. And that's what, oh, God, I don't even know. I think I've got a bunch of points. Just chuck them up whenever you want, Ella. <laughs> Being on mission with God. It's about this feast. It's about a joy in God. I, I love, I love that the king prepared the wedding feast and then like he had joy. Like, guys, go and invite. It's going to be so fun. 
The king's excited to get you to heaven. <laughs> Your father in heaven is pumped for you to come home. Just talking with Rachel, wherever she was, about Rachel Gay. Just talking about that. How do we do passing away in a celebration way? Like we mourn when we lose someone, right? But when someone who has faith in Jesus dies, like a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Black, a member of our church, passed away. And Kurt was sharing last week. He was leading someone to the Lord like a week before he went to heaven at 90 years old. He's at a party and leading someone to the Lord. There's pain when someone like that passes, but there's joy. There's crazy amounts of joy when that person right now is, is with God. And I won't say he's at the wedding feast. I think that's something reserved for the um, end times. But he's with God and, and there's joy there. That's incredible. God's mission is all about joy. So let's enjoy him. Second thing is just understanding that as a servant of God now, this side of eternity, you have been sent to invite. And you understand that, right? Like, you weren't saved and God went out of his way with loving kindness to draw you to himself, to make you alive. Like, let's look at everything salvation or soteriology will teach you. You were justified, courtroom setting, declared innocent. You were atoned for. You were adopted. You were regenerated. Come on now, you were a new creation. The old is gone. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Like, all of this happened. For us to sit in a room on a Sunday morning and, and sing and look at his word, I, I think the essence is, wow, how do I bring more people to this place of salvation in Christ? Understanding that you and I have been sent. I think I've got Romans 10 up there, if that's okay. Ella, Romans 10 for everyone. Oh, Lord, thank you for this verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Before I move on, if you need that promise reminded to you this morning, can you write that down? Sometimes we go through really tough times believing and praying for our loved ones to be saved. And I have no answers for you. Sometimes it's like a week and someone's like, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my life to Jesus. Sometimes decades, you're just praying and believing, but... If you're anything like me, I need to stand on the Word of God when I'm really discouraged. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, the definites, two definites, everyone will be saved. Well, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So let's go backwards. Hey, church, you've been sent to preach or share so people can hear. And when they hear, they believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When they hear you testifying about Jesus, as Revelation 19 just said, they can believe. At least that's the ability to believe because you're sowing the seed of the gospel. Matthew 11 and 1 Corinthians 3. We looked at those the last few weeks. So you share. They can believe. And when they believe, they call on Jesus Christ and they are saved. And it all starts with understanding you have been sent. Now, highly, 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 highly likely you have not been sent to sell everything and go to the Middle East or Africa to the mission fields. Highly, highly, highly likely God has placed you in your street, surrounded by your neighbours, to bring the love of Jesus Christ there. 
God has put you in your workplace, in your school and university, with your employees, with your friends, because you are sent to just talk about the goodness of God. Let him do the rest. Be free. You have no power to save anyone. You have no power to put on the wedding feast. You have no power to prepare the feast. You have no money in the account of righteousness to, to do all of that stuff. But you're a servant who's just sent to invite. So just be faithful to your call. You and I are called to be faithful. Let's, let's invite people and let's trust God that he'll do the rest. Amen. But There's joy in heaven. God sends us with joy. At the same time, now, here's how I'm going to try and word this. Let joy be our motivation while we are armed with the armor of God. Third thing I want to talk about, let's not expect this to be easy. <laughs> Being on mission is having thick skin and a soft heart. It's actually not great sometimes being a Christian in a post-Christian nation. Again, he sent them. They seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Please do not expect an easy, really favoured time trying to share the gospel and see people under, if the Bible's accurate, right now under the control of the prince of the air, Ephesians 2 will say, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 will say, 1 John 5, I think it's 18, says that people, non-Christians are in Satan's hand. Please don't expect an easy time bringing the gospel and seeing them saved and transferred into the kingdom, the son of his love. There's going to be warfare. Go, be fueled by joy, but be prepared with the armor of God. That's what I'm, I'm trying to get. It's like, I can't, but the joy propels me. The love of Christ propels us, compels us. But I'm also commanded daily to put on the armor of God. Why? Because it's a real battle out there. <laughs> He's won the war, but the battles are daily. And as we go, I just keep that statement just before we transition the church. A friend said this statement to me and it was just so helpful, so profound. Ministry is about thick skin, soft heart. Because if you're not conscious, you're going to flip it. Very, very easy to flip it and have thin skin and everything wounds you and everything hurts and insults hurt and people who are in church as friends and they walk away that hurts you and your walk with God and opposition starts coming and there's attack on your marriage there's attack on your health there's attack on your finance and it hurts it, living for Jesus gets tough sometimes is anyone with me anyone experienced that yet and, and what it can do if you're not consciously aware of it is form a hard heart I'm not going to invite these people over for dinner. They're not going to come into my world again. They're not going to be friends again. They're not going to come into my inner circle again. They've been there before and they hurt me too much. And so the best and quickest way to deal with that is to not let anyone in again. And we allow our heart to go hard to the call of God, to the mission of God, to the call of God to be hospitable, to the call of God to be generous, to the call of God to share and do life together. And so we have to continuously fight. Hey, Christian, thick skin. You're born for this, right? You're prepared for it, right? You're all good. You're expecting hardship because Jesus promised us hardship. At the end of John 15, he said, the student's not greater than the teacher. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. You're expecting it, right? Because you've read the Bible. 
This is not meant to be easy, but it's so worth it. And so with thick skin and remaining the soft heart, so many people are hurting out there. So many people are struggling and lonely and really wounded right now. And they don't need a list of do this and don't do that. They need a Christian to come alongside them. Steve White is um, officially supervising, mentoring us, myself this year. It's great help. And he's always, it's always frustrating, but he's always really good. Because <laughs> he doesn't just give me answers. He wants me to go with God and get my own space. But something he's always like, Dan, always flourish in the ministry of presence. He goes, just be there. Just be there for people. Just be there. Okay, Lord, give me your heart for people. That old song, that's a really crazy prayer if you don't mean it. <laughs> Break my heart for what breaks yours. You sure you want to pray that? God will use you if you pray that prayer. And you're going to start to see people wounded and hurting and struggling. And it's not just about putting money in a bucket. Sometimes finances help. Most of the time, they need you. The time, a meal prayer, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what we're called to do. Have thick skin and soft heart. Uh, I think the next thing I put about the mission of God that isn't easy is inviting. <laughs> it's more focused on inviting than judging. How's this? Invite to the wedding feast as many as you find, both good and bad. The reason I love this is this story is being told to a bunch of religious leaders, right? Their job is to tell us who is good and bad. And when it comes to the gospel, in my opinion, we're all bad. Who is good enough to earn their own way to heaven? Who was good enough when Jesus looked at you and were like, dang, you're actually really crushing life. Maybe I should save you just based on your own merit. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. You do not deserve salvation, Christian, let me remind you. You do not deserve to be loved. You do not deserve to be forgiven. When it comes to the glory of God and the standards of heaven, you and I fall short. We all fall into the category of bad. And he says, go and fight good and bad. What he's trying to do is just, just provoke and poke religiosity. And I love it because he's talking to religious leaders. And they, they would be literally teaching, here's what you need to do to earn the favor of God. Religious law was about that. There was 10 commandments given through Moses. Religious law got up to 617, I believe. Laws. This is how you please God. This is how you please God. They're teaching. Be good. So God can be happy. And Jesus is just flipping the narrative like, no, the gospel message is to everyone. Everyone good and bad alike. And this is really good for us because you and I, if we're not careful, can start to form a religious heart around who does and doesn't deserve the love of God. If we're not conscious, we're not aware of it, who can and cannot be saved. And I want to ask you rhetorically, how do you go with your mission to go and invite people that you don't like? How are you going with sharing the love of God with people that you don't get along with? 
Not great. I have to remind myself that my role isn't to determine, as a servant of God sent to invite, it's not to determine who belongs in church and who doesn't, who deserves to be invited and who doesn't, who, who deserves a small group and who doesn't. That's not my role. My role is to invite people. That's it. And that, that is what is on offer in the gospel. I think I brought uh, John chapter 1. I know I'm doing it out of order. John chapter 1. I love, love, love the story of Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he, Jesus, found Philip. He said, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel natural overflow of his relationship with God. He told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked, and Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Can we leave that up, please? A few things here. Philip's role wasn't to determine anything else. He wasn't to try and explain, over-explain how Jesus you know, was the son of David genealogically or the, the, the great high priest we've been longing for. It was nothing else. It was just, just come and see. Church, that's all we have to offer. That's all we've got. That's our one tool. Oh, just come and see. Come, actually come and, and see. See Jesus, see him, see the love that he has for you. That is what we are sent to do to good and bad. Come and see. And I love that bottom thing. Jesus said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. The word see there, in both occasions, it's that Greek word we looked at at the start of the year for two months, Ida. It literally means to know, to understand, to perceive. So here's, here's the great moment of this passage that we're all called to. Philip experiences Jesus, right? And then he gets in that moment. There's no record of Jesus saying, now go and invite someone. He's just so overwhelmed at finding Jesus that he naturally goes to find other people. It's a natural overflow. And when he finds Nathaniel, he doesn't become Jesus he doesn't over-explain. He doesn't say, let's do our small group and your relationship with God can be through me. He's like, you've just got to come and meet him as well. Come and see. Come and understand. Come and perceive. Come. Come and actually have eyes to see. Come. Come, come. Come, come. When he comes, when he goes to Jesus, this is what I love. He goes, hey, before Philip even called you, I saw you. That's the gospel. Come and don't just sit in church. Come and see in your heart. Once again, Ephesians 1, 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know him. That's, that's salvation. And Philip is going, come and see. Come and, and receive. Come and understand. And when they come to Jesus, when people come to Jesus, when you and I come to Jesus, Jesus looks at us and he said, yeah, before you were called though, I saw you. 
I knew you, I understood you, I created you, calling you to myself, you are mine. And that is salvation. Salvation isn't seeing Jesus. Salvation is understanding that Jesus has always seen you. Galatians 1, 15. I love it. You've got to think of Paul's journey, right? Like Pharisee. I think it's Philippians 2. It's in Philippians 2 where he's like, oh, concerning the law of Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, he's just bragging about all these, the things he's done concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Like Paul's killing people. He's dragging Christians out of their home, having them murdered right there. And Paul says this phenomenal statement. It's quite confronting in Galatians 1.15. It says, When he who had set me apart before I was born, when he was pleased to reveal his son to me, he did. And that's salvation, friends. You might have been on a really bad journey. You might be sitting there. You might have some neighbors right now. You're like, such a soul. It's <laughs> persecuting the church. Hates church. I've got some friends in my world like that. Hate being burnt so bad. They hate church. I'm not putting them in the too hard category. I'm understanding that I've been sent to invite. I'm just going to keep doing that and I'm going to trust God with the rest. And when they come, my thing, just come and see. Just see that I know church wounded you. I know that Christian wounded you, but Jesus didn't wound you. You've got to just split those apart. Just come and see him. And when they see him, I believe Jesus is going to go, yeah, and I've always seen you. I've always known you. I've always watched over you. And that is salvation. I'll finish with this. The last point that is literally about that is being on mission is knowing that only Jesus saves. Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? It's a confronting passage, amen? Here's why it's confronting to me. Poor people were invited. And the king sending people away now to be punished because they're not wearing the proper clothes. That sounds harsh to me until you get the gospel. How did you get in here without being clothed in the right thing? There's a certain garment that you have to be clothed in to enter the wedding feast of the Lamb. You want to stay in the wedding feast of the Lamb, good and bad alike, poor and rich alike, old and young alike, sick and healthy alike. All these people are in the room and everyone's allowed to stay in the room just on one condition. You have to be clothed in the wedding garments. Seems like they're a pretty crucial thing for us to understand what they are then. Amen? Can I get those two verses up? Ephesians chapter 3, 27. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who are united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. The wedding garment is the righteousness of Christ through faith. It's being clothed in Him. I didn't put it up there, but uh, Philippians chapter 3, if you take notes, verse 9, it says, Being found in Him, having a righteousness not of my own, which comes through works of the law, but the righteousness which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. That is what salvation is, that, that perfect life Jesus lived. He fulfilled the law. He didn't sin. That sinless righteousness he achieved gets imputed to you and I through faith. If you're taking notes, once again, this is why Romans 10, 4 will say, Christ has fulfilled the law for all who are in Christ. 
This is why the law hasn't been wiped away. It's been fulfilled. You've got two options. Fulfill the law or give your life to Jesus Christ and accept that He fulfilled the law for you. They're your two options. I'll finish with this. Why is it so crucial for Jesus? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'll just leave that verse there for a second. I need to be reminded of that. I don't know if you do. Lord, we love you. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Amen. And this is why being on mission is so important. Once again, some of you might feel really comfortable getting tracks and going in the, pre the streets and preaching. Cool. People are saved in different methods. Others are going to be more comfortable just inviting a neighbor over for a meal, hanging out, getting to know that other parent through school or through a sports or something like that, meeting a friend at school or university. But we all have to live on mission, friends. I, I fight to remove religion. I fight to remove things that Christianity of the world puts on you that Jesus does. And I'll, I will always fight for that, I promise. I'll remove burdens that are not in the gospel. But anything that Jesus has commanded of us, I'm going to keep reminding us of. And you aren't called to have to go overseas and you have to preach the gospel in Africa. That's not a definite. I'm not saying you're a Reinhard Bonnke or a Billy Graham, but you are called to be on mission. You are sent to invite. And so what does that look like for you and I? To love people so well, to be so filled with joy in Jesus. We live on mission. Lord, help us in that endeavor. Amen. If you're here today, and as I've been speaking about the only name that saves, the only way to heaven, Jesus Christ, something's going on in your heart, and you are going, I don't have Jesus, but I want him. I'm not going to get you up in front of everyone. What I'm going to do at the very end of the service, I'm going to stay right there. I'd love you to come and see me. I'd love to meet you. We want to give you a free Bible. We want to pray with you. It would be the greatest honor I ever get because I promise you, Jesus is on offer for you today through faith and he's the only way to heaven. Apart from that, we're going to stand and worship. Can we stand to our feet? Once again, later in worship right now, I'm going to jump up with the mic again. And uh, if any Sozo leaders or any of the leadership team here feel that they have a prophetic word, from scripture, they want to encourage us with something God's put on your heart. We're just going to allow a bit of time for that and uh, edify us in that way, build us up in that way. And there might be zero people that come up, and that's okay because we only give these words when the Holy Spirit prompts us. There might be 10 people, but we're going to surrender to God. Lord, we love you. I pray as we worship right now that every ounce of religion or have tos die, they fall to the ground. But I pray as we experience again a joy in you that we would naturally say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.
Church, just stay in this time of worship. Our heart focused on our good God. The Bible speaks about the gift of prophecy, and we were looking at a few weeks ago. Just that encouragement for the church, the building up. And I love that verse we looked at today. Just clarity, clear testimony to Jesus. We believe the gift can flow through every believer. First Corinthians fourteen. It's like desire those good gifts that build up the church it also then gives clarity around maybe just a couple maybe just a couple of prophetic words when you gather so something you might not like but the way we're doing at the moment is i just open it up to the sozo leaders our small group leaders who are pastorally gifted to look after the members of our church but anyone here absolutely any person if you feel a picture or a verse or a prophetic unction something going on please write it down and give it to us, email it to myself. I believe that if it is from God for our church, it won't expire at the end of this service. It'll be something that is profound. Um, after just last time we did this, I had a few texts and emails coming through, just beautiful encouragements and pictures for our church. So, hey, there might be no one come up right now, but there also might be a handful. And small group leaders, I, I want you to be confident. If you feel, if you, this is pressing, verse and the goal is to encourage our church well at very worst it was you and you've just encouraged us with the bible verse it's not a bad thing so for the next five minutes we're just going to open this up and if you feel like you have a picture of verse come on up share it for our church encourage our church in that way thank you lord think when Dan was talking about Nathaniel under the tree um, and that God saw him before he came and it reminded me of after being I, I knew God was real and I used to come every Sunday sit at the back but I had lots of doubts questions and but I knew there was something here but what happened was someone prophesied over me and said a bunch of things but the main thing that stood out was um, you don't need to have all the answers God just wants you to trust him and I was always thinking about Nathaniel and that God knows you it what it did in my heart was I realized God knew me and it actually changed the trajectory of my life because up until that point I was half in the world coming on Sundays but then when I knew that he knew me it changed everything so I just want to encourage you if you're sitting here right now and you have doubts you have questions you don't understand things it's okay God would say just trust me look to me trust me Trust God and he will change everything.
this is not a prophecy or anything like that. It's just an encouragement. We mentioned Kevin Black before, and he actually lived with us for nearly two years, and he was in our home, Sozo Group. And I'd like to say that he is an example of being a great Christian. He was kind, he was generous, he was a man of prayer, man of the word. Several times during the day, he burst into song. He was just a great encouragement. And to be at 90 years of our age, and it said a week before he was leading somebody to the Lord at his son's birthday party. You know, what a great encouragement. And people like Kevin should be an inspiration to us all. He's an, he was an inspiration to me. And I just like to say that, you know, he's won his fight, he's run his race, and now he's in glory. He's stuck to his course, he's stuck to the word, stuck to his belief. And what an example. Yes, uh, I've just been uh, meditating on the Lord during the week and uh, the Lord showed this to me in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. How encouraging. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. I just have this picture today of the prodigal son story and how the, the son leaves and takes his inheritance and walks away and then he comes back to the father and his arms are open wide and he embraces his son and I felt like I saw this picture today of it might not be the fact that you've completely walked away from God but that close embrace that the father gives his son when he comes back to him and I felt like it was an encouragement that that embrace is the closeness of God and his arms are always open and always welcome to embrace us back if we've missed his closeness. had this vision over the last <clears throat> number of weeks um, and it's a, it's a grand hall with hundreds of people kneeled down in the presence of God and one by one I see men begin to stand up firstly to their knees and then to stand up and they have these helmets on they're like a Roman strong protective helmet and I see men firstly just a couple then a few more and then more begin to stand up as they realize that they have this helmet of salvation 
that they'd begin to realise maybe for the first time that their salvation is true and is real and they can trust in it and that helmet of salvation is what they're able to lead with. Firstly, their own lives and then their families and their friends that they can stand up in a day when men are so accused and so downtrodden that they can stand up and trust in their helmet of salvation and that that verse which was spoken that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And now hold on to that scripture and now lead their lives and others. So men, that call is to us to stand and in God's presence, trust in the helmet of salvation. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for those words and encouragements you brought. Holy Spirit, we thank you to continue to shape us and your church in your way as you to see best, as you want to work out here, Lord God. I pray we'd have eyes to see what you are doing even now today. We'd have ears to hear you speaking to us and leading us and guiding us for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to finish worship if the band wants to lead us in something and then our service will be over.
Hey Church, we're just going to close the service. Um, but we're going to keep this atmosphere here. If you need prayer, um, please feel free. Our leaders will be here to pray with you. The cafe is open. Um, Like I said, we'll just keep this atmosphere if you need to go. If you need to get kids, please feel free. We'll see you back here next week at 10am. Have a blessed week.